never say die! Forty going on fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two hundred and eighteen of Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And my soul-defining characteristic as a master thief is a series of aliases with a code uncrackable, unless you know any grandmother in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. How many grandmothers in Ireland do you know? I don't get the joke. <laughs> Did you not watch the movies? I did watch the movie. I just forgot. That's all. Yeah, his whole thing is that he uh, is constantly naming himself after Catholic saints. Well, I mean, it could be Polish grand- grandparents, too. I mean, yeah, but I don't know any Polish grandparents. Do you know well, any Irish grandparents? Not anymore. My not grandmother's you. dead. <laughs> I don't know any grandparents. Well, wow, this took a weirdly. A <laughs> this is kinda... So if you like dead grandparents. <laughs> This is, this is what you guys are leaving me, huh? No, how about how about hey, we we watched the Saint today. The so Saint. So you like dead grandparents? <laughs> <laughs> you might like the shows on the podcast collective, including On the Block, No Hope for Humanity, I Am Salt Lake, The Empty Rant Podcast, and of course the Rad Dad Radio Hour, and Someone's Dead Grandma, <laughs> and the Dead Grandparenting Podcast. <laughs> There's podcast number seven. Here I have I have a sample of it right here. That's not how this works. <laughs> oh, they pulled the plug on that show. Oh! oh. oh. Wah, wah. Uh. Wow. Well, that's it, guys. We're done. <laughs> Wrap it <laughs> we up. We accomplished what we set out to for this show. We're packing it up and going home. <laughs> With four years of setup for that joke, we gotta go. <laughs> yep. So if you'd like to complain about this bullshit, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or find our older shows which is more of the same BS. iTunes I'm right now. <laughs> complaining about myself. <laughs> iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and other podcasting directories. And we have voicemail this week. Yes, Ooh. we have some listener feedback from Dun- long-time listener Karen. Karen. Karen, I remember Karen. I like Karen. Hi, Karen. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here we go. Hey, guys. Listener Karen here. I'm about to check out the movie soundtrack episode, and I thought I'd call and leave you guys a message. It's been a while. Um, Some that stick out for me that I'm hoping you talk about, uh, Empire Records, Pulp Fiction, and Spawn, uh, the movie. Uh, That soundtrack, for whatever reason, was in such regular rotation for me and definitely started my love for the band Soul Coughing. Um, nice. Shout out specifically to the the score of It Follows. I know that's different, but it's so delightfully John Carpenter esque. I think it's definitely worth mentioning. But uh, love you guys. Love the show. Hope you're having a good recording. Bye. Huh. I love scores for John Carpenter flicks. Oh, because they're all. I was going to say I love Karen. <laughs> Karen Carpenter. <laughs> Not anymore. No. Decent. Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Good job, man. Um, I'm looking at the soundtrack for that one. I mean, it's kind of strange. You've got uh, Filter and the Crystal Method, Marilyn Manson and the Sneaker Pimps. In general, I would say that Spawn falls into that category of, like, the soundtrack is so much better than the movie. Well, I mean, in retrospect, the movie was shit. Yeah. Butthole hey Surfers and Moby. That's my favorite superhero movie. 
Let's not talk about that anymore, please. <laughs> it's a smudge on my record. Did, did you call for the for spawn and and like did you really enjoy it or something? What what's going on with this? No, I convinced everybody to go see it because Todd McFarlane would never make a crap movie because he's too uh, much of a perfectionist and everybody wanted their money back and decided that I was not allowed to pick movies anymore. Which would be like the, what, the third or fourth time? And no one should ever allow you to pick movies. We all know this. I mean, it was only 40 minutes of John Leguizamo making fart faces. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't see this movie. Yeah, it's pretty much a big shitball. I can't stand John Leguizamo. Oh, dude, he's actually gotten pretty good in his late later career. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> seen him. In, you okay? You have to suck it up, and you have to see John Wick. Is he in that too? Oh yeah. my god, I'm definitely no. not seeing that. No, you, no. <laughs> you need to see John Wick. <laughs> you're make, you're not making it easier. Moving on. All right. You know what else we have? More voicemails. See what you started, Karen. What? So so there. All right, so here she is. Number two. Hey, guys. Listener Karen again. I forgot that I wanted to tell you that you're all wrong and that Once Bitten is a fantastic movie. That's all. <laughs> Bye. Okay, I'm going with the fact that Karen has not seen Once Bitten in a long while. <laughs> I wasn't even on that episode, but I, I'm with you guys. It wasn't a very good movie. <laughs> I hated it the least, I think. And and that, you know, I still didn't like it. Let's give it to Pat. Pat hates everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I not a uh, Karen, if you can give if you can state your argument and then go from there. I'm just saying on the scale of being, you know, wrong with Karen, you know, I'm the least wrong. That's all I'm saying. What? 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 I want to stay in good graces with, with Karen. She's the only nice listener we have. Oh, I don't know. Nikki's ne nice. Nena Moss is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, but okay, Nikki's nice. All the females that listen to us are nice. All the guys are mean. And it hurts my soul. Whatever happened to the guy who... I, I, I just lost I thought you were going to say whatever happened to your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a valid question. <laughs> True. I just I just bought a soul the other day. I didn't tell you guys. How does it handle? <laughs> hey oh. Um who's the guy who used to cuss us out all the time? Charlie. Yeah, what happened to Charlie? I, I was I had a list of people. I'm like, what are you talking about? The one guy. <laughs> well, no, I, I, he probably just stopped listening. True. He probably did. Aw. Or he's in jail. More likely. Bell Tower. Or he's right behind you, Mike. I certainly hope not. I'm in my basement. It's a, not an easy place to be in behind me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on that note, I think it's about that time. <laughs> this week in music, movies, and TV. That's All right, so this week is April 4th, 1997. The release of the re, uh, the movie version of The Saint, starring a one, soon to become Patrick, Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so fun watching him make out with Elizabeth Shue, thinking it could be me. He hadn't reached his final form yet, though. <laughs> I don't care. I would, I'll, I'll take any degree that, of separation that gets me to make it out with Elizabeth Shue. Your final form is Patrick? 
So Val, Val Kilmer's final form is me. <laughs> so depressing. Wait till he grows his beard. It'll look just like me. So anyway, music. The top songs of the land were Can't Nobody Hold Me Down by Puff Daddy, followed by The Spice Girls' Wannabe and Jules, You Were Meant For Me, and I Was Meant For You. I love that song. Me too. Wannabe? <laughs> I, I kind of like that song. No. No, neither of the other two songs, but You Were Meant For Me is actually, I love that song. I don't know. That like that whole album. Like Same. What? Anyway, uh, Third Eye Blind released her self-titled debut album on April 8th, and it sold over 6 million copies in the U.S., led by the featured single, Semi-Charmed Life. Now, that is a great album. as well. I was going to say, so far, of the four <laughs> bands slash albums we've talked about so far in the Twee, I've owned three of the albums. Hmm. Ditto. Semi-Charmed Life, the, the best song to ever hit number one about Crystal Meth. I don't know about best. <laughs> <laughs> Do, 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 do. Anyway, yeah, that song's all about crystal meth. If you didn't know that, children. The the whole album is is a uh, pop fueled. Uh, just there's a lot of wrongness there. That's just a lot of, lot of there's a yeah, lot lot of laws and sins being a lot of laws being broken and sins being committed on that album. I had, yeah, yeah, not like the kind of wrongness you get from a Limp Biscuit album. I had the totally you're had, just wrong for listening to the Limp Bizkit album. I had the first. Spice Girls album because if you put it in for Monster Rancher, you got a rare monster out of it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that game. Yeah, we we talked about that on the game uh, on one of the gaming episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't like the, shit. The, re- the only reason Mike owns Spice Girls and Josh was like, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that was a that was a deja vu moment. That was awesome. Apparently, Pat hates me. Those are called memories, time. Pat. That's. <laughs> This this woman is crazy interesting, so you have to uh, you have, yeah. There's a lot to know about. And her. you gave Joel the one to read it. Yep. Okay. Hey, I've been doing good so far. So right. <clears throat> knock on wood. All right, we'll folks. Every time Joel misspeaks, drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get prepared to get sober. All right. May Boren Axton was born September 14, 1914, in Bardwell, Texas. She was known in the music industry as the Queen Mother of Nashville. The only daughter out of nine children, one of her brothers was U.S. Congressman Lyle Bourne. She earned a bachelor's degree in journalism and obtained a public teaching certificate, teaching English and journalism at schools throughout Oklahoma. She married John T. Axton, an officer in the U.S. Navy. There you go. Everybody drink! (laughs) And they had two sons, Hoyt and John. One became a country music star and one became an attorney. Bourne is credited with writing approximately 200 songs and worked with Mel Tillis, Reba McIntyre, Willie Nelson, Eddie Arnold, Tanya Tucker, Johnny Tilliston, and Blake Shelton. Skid Row, a song recorded by Jerry Lee Lewis, is perhaps her most famous song after Heartbreak Hotel, which was co-wrote with Tommy Durden, plus creating Elvis's first number one record and one of the greatest rock and roll hits. Bourne introduced it in 19-year-old Presley to Colonel Tom Parker after a performance in Jacksonville, Florida. She pressured RCA's Nashville division head, Stephen H. Scholes, to sign Presley. And on, uh, uh, I did it again, April 9th, at the age of 82, May drowned in her tub at her home in Hendersonville, Tennessee, after her apparent heart attack and was absorbed. <laughs> that sucks. What an interesting story, though. That is. In the nazy. <laughs> <laughs> and only two mistakes. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to have some ham and nazy beans later. <laughs> <laughs> nazy beans, nazy beans. <laughs> you made no 
bad witch. That is crazy. She is the one who basically started Elvis Presley. Yeah. Yeah. Like Elvis probably wouldn't have been Elvis without this woman. Well, I mean, he'd still be Elvis. He just wouldn't be Elvis. No, no. He would have been forced to change his name. (laughs) Elvis Parsley. (laughs) Mark Aaron Presley. (laughs) So retarded. (laughs) I don't know why you left. Because it took me totally by surprise. <laughs> Holy shit! That is that is a Joel joke coming from Josh. <laughs> I feel I feel terrible at the fact that I laughed at that. Yeah. I have to write that down. That is going to be our oh. first T-shirt, Elvis Parsley. That's got that that no bunch to the front is still going to be the first one. But, oh. oh my god, that that's that's got to be a character on Veggie Tales. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> I don't remember seeing it, but it could be. And finally, on April 7th, Wynton Marsalis became the first jazz artist to win the Pulitzer Prize for music. Nice. Yes. I actually didn't know they gave out Pulitzers for music. I didn't either until that little fact. Hmm. And by the way, uh, Hoyt Axton was the son that became a country music star, not John Axton. Uh, um, I actually knew that. All right, moving on to movies. Movies released this week include Double Team, Chasing Amy, Inventing the Abbots, Anaconda, and the acronym of the week, GPB, which of course is Granny Panty Busters. <laughs> At 37. Starring uh, Elvis Parsley. Well, he finally got one right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is Gross Point Blank. Sorry. Oh, very close. similar. I very close. What version did you watch? You've never seen many driver's panties. I also think I watched the wrong double team. <laughs> okay. There is, there is no right double team because the other double team, this double team, is the John Claude Van Damme Dennis Rodman movie. So there mm. is no. Oh, God. I've yeah. forgotten about that. There's no right double team. Why did you resummon that dead memory? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I and, compartmentalized that and pushed it way down. <laughs> have Have any of you watched the the Jean Claude Van Damme show on uh, Amazon? Not yet, but I've heard good things. No, Same here. It, no, it's terrible. Oh. It's, I watched it the other day. It, it's I don't know. It's, okay, so Joel thinks it may be good. I think it's terrible. So it's kind of like probably average for you, Pat. Yeah, I was gonna say it might, I, I might you know roll those dice right there. Yeah. All right. Tomoyuki Tanaka was a Japanese film producer born in Kawashira, Osaka, Japan on April 26, 1910. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's best known as the creator of Godzilla, along with storyteller Shigeru Kayama, director Ishiro Honda, writer Takeru, Takeo Murata, and special effects wizard Eiji Su, Super... Oh, wow. <laughs> I Suburaya, thought I was going to get through all of these. Suburaya. Yeah. Suburaya. Uh, for the 1954 eponymous film. He died from a stroke in Tokyo on April 2nd. And was absorbed! <laughs> Hi. Oh. You guys couldn't see that, but Joel's lips were not moving in sync with those words. Oh. Too short. Well done. That makes for excellent podcasting. <laughs> uh, uh. Beat poet, Buddhist, and actor-slash-writer Allen Ginsberg died in New York on April 5th from liver cancer brought on by hepatitis. And was absorbed. And everyone Allen Ginsberg was very influential in, in the... Uh, the beat scene. 
Yeah, and just oh, in, yeah. in the general social scene. You know, yes. Yeah, so learned great, a lot about him since uh, last year. I finally got around to reading On the Road. The progressive oh, movement. That's, that's... Love that book. But I'm a Kirak fan, so anyway. TV. I know, I was waiting to see if you were going to say something funny. Yeah, keep waiting. <laughs> More <laughs> like Alan Parsley. <laughs> okay, that one didn't work as well. All right, so TV. <laughs> The top shows in the land are Seinfeld, ER, and Veronica's Closet. Hey, it's a callback to Dan Cortez. True. So yeah, so there's that. And April 5th was the debut of The Crocodile Hunter, starring Steve Irwin. There's a crocky over there. Let's go over there. I'm sticking my finger right up his bum. Oh, poor Steve Irwin. I know. He went out the way. Wrestle black mambas and crocodiles and get killed by a stingray. And that's like the ultimate irony. And I bet that stingray like feels terrible about it. But uh, that happened to James Dean. No, he was killed by sausage. I don't know what kind of car he was driving. Anyway, he was running over by a Corvette stingray. Yeah. (laughs) D E A N. Okay. Not Jimmy Dean, you dorks. James (laughs) Dean. Yeah. I was like the one where he's doing the he did the show with the top ten most lethal snakes in the world. James Dean did a show with the top ten. <laughs> yeah, rock on. It was it was really actually kind of boring because it just had this jar of ashes next to a bunch of snakes. <laughs> but how crazy was it during that show that at one point he just he's they're going out and he just is about to get in his jeep and randomly oh one of the top ten is in my engine right now. <laughs> yeah. Or there's one where. He's like down on the ground and the hole. He's like, this looks, this is what we believe to be the hole of one of the most lethal snakes in Australia. And and lethal snake in Australia, you know, it's like looking at you, it'll kill you. And as he's talking, the thing pops out of the hole and he's like, and it is a very kind of, and he stops dead. <laughs> he just totally freezes as the thing <laughs> sticks its head out. Yeah. And the thing like comes over, like licks him on the cheek, does it thing, goes back in the hole and he's like, well, that was intense. <laughs> the man, the man, I, I can watch reruns of the Crocodile Hunter all day long. And his kids seem to be just as awesome as him. Yeah. Yeah. If you want the like lower rent, uh, American, uh, Crocodile Hunter, there's uh coyote. Oh shoot. Coyote Peterson on YouTube. Uh, has some really interesting stuff. Hmm. Cool. And finally, on April 1st, for April Fool's Day, Jeopardy's Alex Trebek hosted Wheel of Fortune while Pat Sajak and Vanna White played for charity. Sajak's wife, Leslie, was in charge of the puzzle board. In turn, Sajak hosted Jeopardy as well. Confusing nursing homes all over the world. <laughs> yep. Something's wrong with the kajigger. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to dead grandparents again. <laughs> Where's the remote? On. It's on the floor. On it might as well be in China. <laughs> on April 1st, the now-defunct Detroit Vipers of the IHL signed a 69-year-old Gordie Howe to a one-day contract, giving him one shift on the ice, making him the only person to ever play professional hockey in six different decades. That's wow. badass. That's cool. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. How many fights did he get in? <laughs> so somebody checks him into the glass and he just shatters and falls down. 
On Fatality. April- <laughs> <laughs> On April 4th, the Atlanta Braves opened their new field, Turner Field, against the Chicago Cubs, whom they defeated 5-4. to four. As it is. And lastly, Major League Soccer announces the expansions into Chicago and Miami on April 9th. Was that the start of the, uh, what's that shit? Chicago Fire? Chicago Fire. I've seen a bunch of their games. Yep. Whatever happened to the Chicago, uh, with the ones with the B, with the the Chicago Buzz? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I think that was... The state. I don't know if that was like a semi-pro league. Yeah, I don't know. I remember seeing signs for them before, like, actual professional soccer came to Chicago. No, that says they're a professional team. Huh. 1975 to 1984. Almost. Oh, so they just, like, went away. Yeah. Almost as popular as the Chicago Blitz. Is that an arena football team? Uh, we had we had two football teams for a short while, too. Hmm. The Chicago Boobs. Chicago. <laughs> Sorry for the B. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Every time I've gotten to sit in the nice seats at Soldier Field, it was for a fire, uh, Chicago Fire game. Yeah, Chicago Blitz, a Ameri- professional American football team that played in the United States Football League, the USFL, from uh, 1982 to 1984. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. It was a historic run. <clears throat> yeah. Two years. It was furious. Furious Fur- two years. Furious. They were blitzing everywhere. Yes. That's exactly there were things being thrown and goals being made. Joel, take us out. <laughs> I was gonna see how far you were gonna take that. I, I ran out of I ran waiting. out of sports words. <laughs> Get the thing with the points and the stuff. Alright, so we are watching the Saints. We have a nineteen ninety seven. Ninety-four. Ninety seven. I hope yeah, it's 97, because we just did the tweet. It's 97. 97. 94, he was busy doing uh, Batman. I no, I he wasn't. I can't believe this was a conversation, like you said. We just covered it in the tweet. Yeah, this character has been around for a distressingly long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you basically have... He's always named Simon Templar, and he's always kind of a gentleman thief. And basically, from novels to radio plays in the Vincent Price era to several series, including the one Joel watched with Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Just quickly, the TV show ran from 1962 to 1969 with 118 episodes. And the original, the first book came out in 1926, I believe. I guess that explains, uh, 28, 1928. I guess that explains why they hired Roger Moore to be James Bond if he was already doing like a... Because he never really fit as a James Bond type to me. He was kind of cheesy. I, sorry, go ahead. Or don't. If you watch him in the TV show, though, he's got a lot of the characteristics that they were looking for. But at that point in his career, when he took over the role, I think he was trying to make it his own and distance it a little bit from Templar. Hmm. He was too campy as James Bond, though. Oh, he totally well, was. But he embraced that, it. Exactly, yeah. I, he was my first, so... Yeah, I think he's a very divisive Bond. I, I'm with Pat, where I he's my least favorite, but I, I know a lot of people who say he's their most favorite. What? Who says that? People. They are wrong. Joel raises his hand slowly. What? what? 
He was my first. Joel is wrong again. Why are you always wrong? Uh, what's not to like about Roger Moore? And he was awesome in The Saint. Okay. The TV series. If you have to choose between Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton, who do you choose? Roger Moore. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton. <sighs> yeah, I and mean... I'm, I'm not saying that out of spite. I'm saying that because of Moonraker. Mm, Moonraker was shit. Yeah. Like, you take you take a legendary villain like Jaws and you completely, like, destroy him and his whole mystique and also just space. Yes. And it was also a remake, if I recall. Was it? Yeah, I think re- uh, Moonraker was. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I think it was an original. I don't even think there was a Ian Fleming book. I think they remade it into Star Wars. <laughs> hey, you they know, made it, remade it into Star Crash. You know what else <laughs> is not a James Bond movie? The Saint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah, are obviously <laughs> raring to go on this one. All right, so. <laughs> Um, so this is directed by Philip Noyce. Um, <laughs> Noyce. N-O-Y-C-E. Uh, who directed such classics as Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, The Bone Collector, and Salt. With Angelina Jolie. Bone Collector. Yeah. Uh, writing credits for characters. The guy who created the saint, Leslie Chartiz. Chartiz? Chartiz. Chartiz, something like that. Um, screenplay on these was done by Jonathan Hensley. Why are all these names this way? Jonathan Hensley. Yep. Okay. Yeah, who right. uh, was writing with um, part of the writing team with Armageddon, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Jumanji, and the good version of The Punisher. Hmm. Which and one's the good one? None of them. The um. The uh, he's talking Jane about the movie, so. The Thomas Jane version. Yeah, the Thomas Jane version. Oh, have you seen the Ray Winstone version? No. It's so good. See, but you know what? Is that Warzone? Yes. Okay, I'm just saying. Directed by a woman. What? She, she killed it. Yeah, I, I would I would go into this rabbit hole, but it's also not the saint. We, okay. Women do know how to punish, though. All right, so, so also this, this dude, Wesley Strick, known for such stuff as True Believer, a TV show... <laughs> This is crazy, crazy pants right here, starring James Woods and Robert Downey Jr. Huh. That's kind of strange. Yeah, that's a, that's an odd pairing. Yeah. It's like Jay Leno and Pat Morita. 1989. That was at a bad time for Downey Jr. though. He probably doesn't remember making it. Exactly. I'll be Iron Man someday. At the time where their careers were on similar trajectories, one heading up and the other heading down. <laughs> they meet right in the middle. Yeah. All right. So The Saint is a 1997 espionage thriller and deluxe color film in Panavision. I don't know why I put that in there. <laughs> Starring Val Kilmer in the title role with Elizabeth Shue. Oh. And Rade Sergebajabaja. Uh, the title character is a thief and master of disguise. It becomes the anti-hero while using the moniker of various saints while paradoxically living in the underworld of international industrial theft. It's a financial success with a worldwide box office of $169.4 million, rentals of 28.2, and continuous DVD sales. Not that continuous. Well, well I mean... I'm they sure didn't so. say Blu-ray, so it must have continued until DVDs kind of phased out a little bit. People... Oh, come on. It was the okayest movie of the late 90s. <laughs> it gave Pat the thought that at some point another 
Elizabeth Shue might lay naked next to him. Oh, my God. Oh, we hey, lost him. Okay, right. I know you guys know this, but if any, for anybody listening, Elizabeth Shue is my number one celebrity crush still to this day. Yes. And, and you can't guys, argue with that. Anybody out there can, can you know, <clears throat> arrange some kind of meeting or, like, some kind of fight between her and Davis and break them up, and I'll just sneak in there. Yeah, Pat's just been throwing himself into random frozen rivers in the hope. <laughs> unfortunately, you will come save me. Yeah, unfortunately, it's always been Pat Morita. <laughs> Until he died. No. <laughs> Every single just... time it's Elizabeth Perkins, I'm like, not you! No! <laughs> Someone literally just throws Pat Morita's body in the river after Pat. <laughs> All right, so, I don't know. That's a, that a strange little road we went down right yeah, where there. Did, where did that come from? All right, so uh, Val Kilmer as Simon Templar, Elizabeth Shue as Dr. Emma Russell, mm-hmm. Rade Sergeberja as Evan yeah, Rade Sergeberja, like if you've seen Snatch, you know him as Boris the Blade. Yes, that guy. God, he's so good. Oh, yeah. my God, Russian movies. Valery Nikolov as Ilya Trzechov. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Henry Goodman is Dr. Lev Boldvin. There you go. Alan Armstrong is Inspector Teal. Michael Byrne as well. This this entire cast list hates me. <laughs> we should have had Joel read it. Yeah. He's doing, he's doing well this week. All right. Shagen. Hey. It's okay. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't a hell of a lot of trivia on this one. Uh, the poetry. They're shocking. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, the poetry written by Simon Templar's long-haired artist character, Thomas Moore, was actually written by Val Kilmer himself. And no one was shocked. Right? No. It sounded like something Val Kilmer would write. You know, I've got to give the guy credit. I mean, any any role that he gets, he completely jumps into. I will never, ever, ever... Ever, disparage, ever? ...disparage or, or, or talk bad about or, or anything on Val Kilmer simply because of his, his role in Tombstone. Oh no! He's forever, he's forever got a pass in my eyes. I feel the same way with um, Weird Science. Of course, he wasn't in that. Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. <laughs> he's trying to think of real genius. Real genius. Real That's genius. What I was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wanders into Weird Science. He's like, I'm not in this movie. He was in a show with Pat Morita. <laughs> All right. So also, Salmon. Simon. Salmon. <laughs> Simon Salmon Templar, <laughs> fish knife. Salmon Tempura. He likes to listen to Elvis Parsley. <laughs> All right, so Simon uses the Nokia 9000 communicator <laughs> oh, cell Jesus phone. Pardon uh, me, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> the phone was very cutting edge when it was introduced in 1996, as it functioned as both a handheld phone as a clam and as a clamshell pocket computer, complete with a mini QWERTY keyboard and several built-in applications. And the funny thing is that there are still people to this day that swear on the Nokia 9000. Like they're saying it's still one of the best cell phones that's ever been made, even with smartphones out there, because this thing, if you're if you're like a serious uh, hacker slash programmer or whatever, apparently it's got the best interface to, you know, to do that kind of crap. So it makes no- sense that he was using it. Nokia cool. was a leader in cell phones, man, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Indestructible. Yeah. I was just about to say, and if you wanted a cell phone that is never going to break, you buy a Nokia. Oh, no yeah. kidding. That's all I had for the first like three or four phones I owned. Yeah. Not this one. They they just started doing a comeback though. There's Nokia has started making new phones. 
Don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years. See what I did there? Yeah, I do. Okay. So and I vaguely remembered having watched this movie and thought it was all right. It was one of those like, yeah, I saw that. I think you're right in saying this is one of the most okay movies of the 90s. Yeah, it's like a solid B minus. I'd say it's definitely like a six out of ten, five and a half out of ten, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Well, it's there was a string of these movies like this, like uh, George Clooney's The Peacemaker was right in that same wheelhouse. Day of the Jackal. Just kind of okay. Or the Jackal. <laughs> there you go. See. I stars think, to making movies. I think what made this one a little bit better for me was the fact that it was Val Kilmer. He's and Elizabeth Shue. And Elizabeth. In a completely unnecessary disguise every 30 seconds for the first half of the movie. Exactly. But I do I, want to thank you guys for letting me watch a movie with Elizabeth Shue, finally. You don't have to ask our permission. We've been over this. <laughs> After Adventures of Babysitting, I've been waiting. Well, here's the thing. The original TV series and the books, disguises were not part of the character. He was a thief who did good and eventually started taking on global problems, but he was never a master of disguise. So I don't quite understand why they threw that into this film. It, but... it completely reminded me of the movie uh, Absolute Power with Clint Eastwood, where Clint Eastwood's character was supposed to be a master of disguise, but everything he every time he was in a disguise, it was like, hey, that looks like Clint Eastwood wearing disguise. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't even remember any disguises. <laughs> yeah, every time Val Kilmer was in it, I was like, hey, it looks like Val Kilmer in disguise. <laughs> Yeah, I thought his Ivan Tretiak disguise was actually pretty good. You could that tell was who was who. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Ivan Tretiak was that the one where he was playing the scientist with all the like wispy hair and all that? No, that was where he was playing the main bad guy. Oh yeah, that was actually really good. Yeah, and I love it when he when he comes in. He's like, "There's an imposter in there." <laughs> yeah, and all the guards jump the real guy. <laughs> Probably the best scene in the movie. Well, and that was another thing about this that I didn't quite get. If he's he's supposed to be like a Robin Hood type character, like a suave debonair Robin Hood, but did he ever give anything to the poor in this one? Well, they they didn't really play up that aspect of his character in this film, right? No, because I don't. He was, he was more of a I'm trying to get fifty million dollars to retire. Well, and in, less altruistic. <laughs> in the original series, they they he's world no world famous, like people recognize him. But he, that's like a terrible fucking thief. Exactly, because oh, right? it's it's like the, in the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I was like, how good she could she be if she's making the headlines? Yeah, well, he's he's over in like I think it's Rome or Italy, and uh, um, this this elderly couple from the Midwest are like, I think that's Simon Templar. I recognize him, and I'm like, that's not a good thing for a thief to be recognized. <laughs> well, but this if you're the master of disguise. He doesn't. He doesn't give any. He doesn't rob from the rich and give to the poor in the TV series either. He just like goes around randomly helping people and breaking the fourth wall. But it's Roger Moore. So they, this thing kind of is interesting because I didn't notice any of those traits in this either. There wasn't the the Robin Hood aspect, and there was all of a sudden disguises everywhere. Why do you love Roger Moore so much? He's he's a very cool cat. Did you just say Cannonball cool? Run was the only thing I've ever liked him in? Oh he's my. God, we got to figure out a way to do Cannonball Run. <laughs> He's an attractive man. Dom DeLuise is hilarious. He's oh my God, yeah. But he was not in The Saint. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he was. <laughs> you couldn't see him because he was wearing a disguise. <laughs> he was actually he, he was actually Elizabeth Shue's character the whole time. <laughs> oh my God, Elizabeth Shue is really Dom DeLuise. <laughs> 
The strangest twist of all. <laughs> Pat would still hit it. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Hey, Pat. Yes. For uh, imaginary internet points, what was the name of Dom DeLuise's alternate superhero character from Cannonball Run? Oh, 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 um, Cap- Captain Super or something like that. Uh. Oh, no. Was it the saint? Yes. <laughs> it was actually Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> Oh, uh, what was it? That would have been a twist. Yes, yeah. actually, it was. Captain Chaos. <laughs> Captain Chaos. Oh, damn it. All right. That's all I got. The th- other thing that, uh, rewatching this, that struck me <clears throat> is how incredibly creepy the scene is where he's picking around her apartment, deconstructing her psychology so he can make himself into the perfect man. Right? It's like 1997 cyber stalking. Yeah, but who hasn't? <laughs> What? All right, apparently a lot of people from the silence. Oh, I didn't hear what you said. You broke up. That's oh. how I was able to date in the 90s. I know, seriously. <laughs> Outside of creeping into a woman's apartment and looking at all her stuff and figuring out what she likes and doesn't like, how did you get a date in the late 90s? By watching The Saint. Um, I, I was creeped out by that poet character, by the way. Yeah, right? Me too. Just overall, yeah. And yet she fell for it hard. And I, it, thankfully, it gave us the scene that happened when he went back to her apartment, but... Well, yeah, and, and then he steals her notes, even though he's established in the very next scene that he has a digital camera. So he just breaks her heart for no fucking reason. Right, yeah. I, I was wondering why he, like, just take the picture, man. You don't need to even let her know you did it. Right? Yeah, that was confusing. There were there were a couple of times in this movie I was like, what, what is the motivation behind this? <laughs> I can't remember. Another, uh, I might, it might come to me while we're talking, but yeah. It was just weird how he just chose to steal it. Right, maybe like he could have just taken pictures and walked away. Well, I mean, I mean he ma- could he could have taken pictures, sold them, stayed with her, and had a relationship, and eventually, like maybe you know, become himself or whatever, and drop this stupid character, or done that for the rest of his life, or what the just fuck ever. Slowly phase the accent out. But never even have told her that he was, you know, that that he stole them or whatever. She just would be like, oh no, someone blah blah blah, the yada yada, and whatever. They they figured it out at the same time I did. He'd just be like, oh, that sucks. Maybe he was just trying to keep them away from everybody else. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to make excuses for the guy. What was with the random uh, 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 art dealers in the sewers? Right? Yeah, that was weird. Very convenient. You've yeah. Ne- you've never that, been to a sewer that was, that art gallery? MacGuffin, that Wait. was a serious MacGuffin ending. What, Mike? You've never been to a sewer art gallery before? <laughs> I think one of the other scenes you were thinking of, Josh, is when he's like, okay, you you run to the embassy and I'll create a diversion. And he blows up the Jeep, which only throws the six guys back into a pile about 10 feet away from him. And he's left on the ground unscathed. Yeah, there there were just a lot of things that did not seem to make a lot of actual sense if you really broke them down. Which is why you don't do that with action movies from this era. (laughs) True. (laughs) The okayest action movie. Movie you'll see this summer, the saint. But I mean, uh, and what a weird soundtrack. I mean, it was good, but it was—it just felt out of place to me. Like they just shoved it in there to be soundtracky. I'm if I'm remembering correctly, because we talked about this in um when we did the when did we talk about this? Did we do a Val Kilmer show? No. Mm -mm. Why did we watch this? We didn't. Maybe you did. 
just like hearing the sneaker pimp six underground i was like this is so 1997 <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, got well, um smashing pumpkins at one point and i'm like yeah and that and they're just out of nowhere all the time yeah you're right about that it just the, well, the soundtrack didn't did not flow with the movie. It is right. kind of all over the place. I just brought it up. It's got everybody from Orbital to the Sneaker Pimps to everything but the girl to David Bowie to Daft Punk and Duran Duran. Also Luscious Jackson. Yeah, that's going to give yeah. you circa 1997 right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought about them since 1997. <laughs> they, need, they need like some Chumba Wumba. <laughs> What the, what the fuck? Oh, I can't think of the one the one band. Um, Pearl Jam. Was not was. Now you're going back to the 80s. Holy shit, oh. you are right. Tub Thumping was 97. Yeah. <laughs> I was DJing at that time. I remember when that record was hot. Oh, the New Radicals. Holy crap. Hey. <laughs> oh. I have that wow. in my basement. The New Radicals are in your basement? <laughs> yeah. The actual... <laughs> They never broke up. Joel just kidnapped them all. Yep, Next like, to the corpse of Pat Morita. <laughs> never making a second album. Please bury me. <laughs> um, I think we've derailed. Well, you know, it's, I haven't seen this since it came out in on uh, VHS, I think it was. And I remember thinking it was, it was, it was fun. And when I watched it again, I remembered everything that happened, even though I hadn't seen it in how many years that is, 20, 20 years. Um, and I just was watching it going, yeah, this is this is a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it's like I, I can't even give it necessarily a thumbs down. It's just like a eh. I mean, if right, it, I guess if it, if it was Saturday and it was on TV and you were working on a project around the house, you'd leave it on and kind of be like, yeah, that's kind that of is it. That is exactly where this fits in. This is the perfect background noise movie. Yeah, you wouldn't go through the effort of walking over to find the remote to change the channel. That made it sound a lot sadder than I was trying to go with, but <laughs> because, because every now and then Elizabeth Shue will be in in a bra and panties, so you got to stick around. Right, just waiting for some nudity. And, and nothing really offensive is going to happen ever. Nothing like horrible. Nothing violent. Too violent. You know, it's just everything's right. In the, it's the perfect average movie. It's the Patrick Whaley of movies. <laughs> God damn it, I knew one of you was going to say that. I, 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 I <laughs> you were setting just, it up. Completely was, average. That's a good point. I did set that up. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, there's never going to be a two-disc uh, deluxe <laughs> special edition with yeah. you know four hours of hidden Director's extra. cut with commentary. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not going to happen. Like, uh, here's your standard crane shot, um, standard <laughs> tracking shot. It's like, <laughs> yep, I remember making this. Yeah. And then the other guy's like, you do? <laughs> this is, well, I mean, I'd like to say that there was a lot of trivia to have on this, but there really, there really wasn't. But, I mean, <laughs> trivia, all. Yeah. <laughs> trivia, see movie. <laughs> and this is the part where we had to tone down the action sequence because it was getting a little too good of a movie. <laughs> so we pulled it back a little. I think the results speak for themselves. Yeah. We decided we were going to have a car chasing scene here, and then we decided, no, we'll just have them turn the other direction instead. Okay, here here is a little bit of trivia that is actually poignant to what we're talking about. But did, but did you guys notice that one scene? They pull out of the parking garage, he goes left, and they pull out and they see him going left, and he goes, I go that way. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why not chase him? Was I the only one that noticed that? Apparently. 
This changes that, that everything. I mean, the, the Russians, they're, they're like chasing him out of the parking garage. Remember they had the big shootout in the parking garage? Well, but Pat, and he what, goes left, and they come out after him, and they look, and they watch him go left. And then the guy's like, eh, go right. What you missed, though, is that he put on the sunglasses and turned on Smashing Pumpkins, so they had exactly. to turn left. <laughs> so, so that meant, okay, chase scene over. I'm like, what? <laughs> if only it were script. that easy. He got away because, yeah, the script says i got to turn right here. Now, Mike has some trivia. Go ahead, Mike. Yes. So Val Kilmer, in an amazing step in his career decisions, said, um, you know what? I'm going to go with the saint. You guys can choose somebody else for Batman at this time. He gave well, up. Well, he did rectify that later. Yeah. He, uh, he gave up being Batman for this movie. Huh. Well, maybe he saw franchise potential in this and. Well, I mean, wrong. he already had franchise potential. It was the second Batman movie, so there's two, so there's technically a franchise. But he didn't he didn't want to be typecast, maybe? I don't know. He honestly, I think out of all the pre two thousand Batmans, I think he was probably one of the better ones. Alright. I didn't I didn't dislike him, that's for sure. No, he was pretty dang good. He was a lot yeah. better than George yeah. Clooney. And George I Clooney like, was a better, was a great Bruce Wayne. He just wasn't a very good Batman. And I love George Clooney, I do, but I don't care for that movie very much. And you're right, he he's much more at the suave, debonair. I've used that those terms twice now in the show. Um, multi-millionaire kind of guy than he is as a superhero. Yeah. So, what if they did a movie with Val Kilmer as Batman, but George Clooney? As Bruce Wayne. Do you think they people would catch on to that? I think you're insane. That is the ultimate secret identity. Only if they can sign Luscious Jackson to do the uh, soundtrack. <laughs> Are they still alive? They just called me. They're like, all right, we're in. Like, it's just a podcast about the movie. Well, we're in. We'll do a soundtrack. Joel, check in with the new radicals. See what they think. <laughs> I'll be back after the break. Let us out of the cage. <laughs> Let me out. Pepperita smells. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a amazingly average uh, take I on think this it's movie. It's time to turn left. Yeah. <laughs> so the show's going to oh. turn left. We're going to take a right and head on into The Saint 2017. Yeah. It, it doesn't get better, people. Warning. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about the breakaway hit of 2017. Hitler on ice. Hitler on ice with The Saint 2017. Uh, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be way in the minority on this one. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm really curious now. I am too. I'm bi-curious. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you change your mind, you'll buy it? Is that what you mean? I'm HIV positive, I will. <laughs> Dude. That's why you tune in, folks, for quality entertainment like this. Um, what the <laughs> hell were we talking about? 2017's Runaway Hit. The Saint. International Master Thief Simon Templar, also known as The Saint, is asked by a desperate rich man to find his kidnapped daughter. However, in addition to evading the authorities, Simon must face a dangerous adversary from his past. That's a totally misleading synopsis. It really right? is. Uh, it's an espionage thriller TV movie directed by Ernie Barbavash, 
and <laughs> Ernie who? Barbara Bush, and starring Adam Rayner, Baba Booey, uh, in the role of Simon Templar, created by Leslie Chartiz. It was Sir Roger Moore's final film appearance, and it was dedicated to his memory. I did not know who the hell. That was one of the things, by the way, that made me think I was watching the wrong movie because I was like expecting Roger Moore at any minute. Did not know until I looked up the credits. Who you don't know? know. Oh, that did not look anything like Roger Moore. He was in the uh, the he looked like, like Steve Bannon. He was in the '97 <laughs> one too. Well, I saw him in that one, but I'm saying in this one, I didn't see. I didn't know that was him at all. Well, he was. Wait a second. He was in the '97 one, but it was only a voice. I was just going to ask Pat how he saw him, but I didn't want to spoil it. Didn't he play the villain in this one? He no. played a villain. But not the villain. Okay, I'm confused. Yeah, James Ramar is who you're thinking of. Yes. Who played Veilcross. No, 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 no. Yeah, the ultimate the ultimate killer. I didn't realize that was Roger Moore. That's because it wasn't. It was James parents. Ramar. guy who killed his parents. Right. Yes, that was James Not Ramar. Not Roger Moore. James Ramar. No. No, I Jasper that... was the killer. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. I agree with Pat on that. Yeah. You think Jasper was the killer? I don't think it. I know it. That's why he had the ring. He gave it to They James showed him Ramar. in flashbacks killing, killing uh, his parents. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, he gave James Ramar the, the ring when he uh after he duped the Nigerian guy. Which is role reversal. So anyway, I did not realize that that was Roger Moore. Is my point until I looked up in the credits. Gotcha. Jesus, that was supposed to be just an aside. No, he wasn't in this. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. All right, he, so he's coming back for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. So this is directed by Ernie Bubba Rush, <laughs> who is known for such amazing things as They Wait. Jean-Claude Van Damme's Six Bullets, Assassination Games, and Cube Zero. Cube Zero was good. That was the third one in the in the series of films, and it, it was good. So I'll give him that credit. Okay. It's better, than, it's better than Squared. He's currently doing a movie in 2000. It's finishing up called When a Cataclysmic Flare, When a Cataclysmic Solar Storm Threatens to Blast the Earth and Destroy the International Space Station. It's up to crack astronomer Jess Denver to team up with a commercial space company company to deflect it. Jess Denver. Um, Jess Denver. Jess yeah. Denver. Huh. I would say that sounds incredibly. There was a man named Joel Montana. So. Sounds terrible. It's a true story. Yeah. He was a real person. I believe you. I hear he played some sort of ball. <laughs> He was some sort of sports person. He was a sports guy. All right, written by Jesse Alexander, who's known for some uh, producing Alias, producing Hannibal, and producing Eight-Legged Freaks. Ooh, that's a good resume. It I, is. I like Eight-Legged Freaks. That's a fun fun movie. You cannot kill David Arquette. I, I bet you. I'm won't. pretty sure I could if I gave it a really good effort, man. That's a song. Oh. By who? David Arquette. Uh, the Black oh. Math Experiment. Thank you, Joel. It's a great song. I, I. All right, so this is starring Eliza Dushku. Oh yes, I I like her a lot. So she's known for. How old was she in this movie? Is she old enough to like? She is. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. She's one of the uh, actresses, actually it's celebrities who I've heard uh, at a panel speak like aside. Yeah. She's probably one of the best that I've ever heard. She she plays the tech girl, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking she played the daughter. No, she's 36. Yeah. 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 I, I I was lost in the fact that this movie was made this year. She was the daughter in true lies. Yeah. Right. And that's what I would, that's kind of what I was thinking of was, I forgot it was 2017 for this movie. (laughs) Patrick (laughs) forgot the year again. Yeah. It's my first day. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Roger Moore as Jasper and James Ramar as Arnold Velcross. Thomas Crushman as Ray Maris. Sammy Henry as Zooey Velcross. Greg Grunberg as Detective Garces. I always like Greg Grunberg whenever I see him in anything. And if you guys ever want to see a great Greg Grunberg movie, you should check out Big Ass Spider. It's uh, similar to Eight-Legged Freaks in tone, and it's it's hilarious. I hate to say this, but goddamn, I love that movie. Big Ass I'll have to check it out. Big Ass Spider is, you know, you know what I like about it, Joel, is that it's unabashedly exactly what it is. Exactly. It it does not pretend to be anything else than what it is. The name itself yeah. gives it away. Honestly, one of the reasons why I soured on Heroes near the end of its run so hard is because of the character assassination of his character. Yeah, he's an enjoyable guy to watch on screen, for sure. Yeah. One of the reasons I soured on Heroes is because it sucked after season one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> All right, so this also had Christy Mitchell as Mrs. Templar. Enrique Morisano as Henry Fenrek. Adam Rayner as Simon Templar. I don't know why he got such lower billing on this. Maybe as as you saw people, but and Beatrice <laughs> Rosen as Catherine Valecross. So uh, Adam Rayner also seen in Tracers, Tyrant, and Closure. And yeah, a lot of TV stuff. Not a surprise. No. He was in the TV show Dragon Age Redemption. Oh, okay. Karen? Okay. Yeah, I've actually watched most of that, and it's not great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so this was a movie that was made, (laughs) and they filmed it for TV. It was definitely made uh, by guys involved with TV, you can tell. They used it has a, very much a TV vibe. Trivia. All right, so trivia. Roger trivia. Moore played Simon Templar in The Saints. And Ian Ogilvy, the fixer, played a role in The Return of the Saint. And this was a, produced as a pilot for a potential TV series in 2013, but was not picked up because it was trash. And instead was released digitally in 2017 and not even straight to DVD. It was Manufacture on Demand (laughs) DVD in tribute to Roger Moore, who had recently died. So Roger (laughs) Moore will make this movie for you, but only if somebody asks for it. I've never heard of that. Holy shit. Manufacture on Demand DVD. Yeah, well, Roger Moore had been trying to get this made for a long time. Well, and I that's think, a shame. I think he had years. different ideas. 
Just like Adam West kept trying to get his Batman made. I'd watch that, though. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, when it's the one thing you got, of course you're going to keep trying to get it made. Nobody's going to let him near the James Bond franchise, so he's got the saint, and that's it. All right. Since I know you guys are going to tear this apart, I'm going to start because I think I, I am the odd man out. I don't think this was an awesome movie. <laughs> but after having her hearing you guys kind of shit on it in the pre-show chat, uh, uh, um, maybe my expectations were managed and lowered, but there's a pretty okay movie with some questionable decisions made along the way in here. I agree with you that this, this was a, okay, how to put this? This was not a great movie, but it was a great TV movie. Like I thought Adam Rayner was a decently charismatic Simon Templar. Uh, I thought Elisa Dushku was just, She's great in pretty much everything she's done. So, yeah. Um, Roger Moore was fine. Uh, Greg Grunberg was standard Greg Grunberg. And uh, Ray Marius, uh, played by Thomas Kretschmann, was a really good, like, top bad guy, like, like the cool second-in-command bad guy. I felt a little bad for James Remar. I thought his character was kind of flat. Sure. And he's better than that. And I they underutilized Eliza Dushku, who is probably the best actor in the cast. Hmm. Yeah, I can give you that. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're talking 20 years ago. Roger Moore is in the running, too, but no. I, I don't know. There were some questionable decisions, like whoever cast Agent Cooper. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. I don't know if the reason they cut him and only brought him back at the ending is that because they realized he couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. Yeah, he was bad. The whole scene with him and his uh, superior officer in the in the uh, office was cringingly. And it's baffling why they even included it, considering that he wasn't the main FBI guy for most of the movie. No, and that's I, unless, of course, the only reason I can think that that would be the reason that they brought him in is that they were expecting this to catch on and they would have a weekly show about this. So like Cooper would be the guy who's working with Templar where Fernak is always trying to catch him. Like right. uh, the Colonel from the A team. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very much like that. Um, what is the, the show that's out right now that uh, they have the criminal, and he's working with the FBI guy, and he's on a short leash. Um, Blacklist? Yeah, Blacklist. I think. James Spader? Well, yeah, that's what Blacklist was like in no, season one and two. What Whatever. Not important. Some, I've only seen like one episode. Something like that. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Pants are down. <laughs> well, the uh, other thing that... Yes. Was kind of dumb was that he kept leaving his calling card wherever he went. If he's supposed to be a master thief and he's leaving his card, he's kind of but doing that, like the water. But that kind of calls back to that kind of calls back to the TV show. As you were ev you were saying earlier, was you know, there's an old lady and an old man standing on the side of the road and they're like, Hey, I think that's Simon Templar, that international super thief. <laughs> they <better laughs> alert the authorities, which they did. 
but he didn't leave calling cards everywhere. I did like the the scene where uh, he steals the woman's wallet back for her and puts it back in her purse. That was pretty cool. I like that. But that's what I mean. Like he leaves the the calling card in there, you know, and it's like uh, he's running around with a bunch of cards. He gets caught by the police. <laughs> like who are you? And he just hands him a business card. Yeah. Oh, are you <laughs> the saint? Go, no, your pocket says differently. Uh, but at least he only did one disguise. They managed to keep the high tech aspect of his character and kind of kept it in line with how technology actually works instead of a suit that defeats lasers by making itself room temperature. Well, and then and you they, just run right through everything. Is that not how it works? Because it's still, it, it, you know, it can't tell motion as long as everything, you know, is the same temperature. Well, and they also played up the Robin Hood aspect a lot better in this. With For sure. The scene where he goes to his uh, fence and he he's basically like, gives all his money away. Exactly. I, I liked that aspect of it because that was more true to what I imagine the, the fictional character was in the books. Well, and they did explain that he's not giving 100 percent of his proceeds away like he makes super high dollar heists and they keep 10 percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to you got to live. I one of the things that I enjoyed in the very beginning scene of the movie with the whole oh I am a Russian and you are you are what was he Colombian when they were trading off the nuke in the very beginning trying to guess who Simon Templar was going to be and I was yeah, wrong was neat. I did not realize that he was going to be the bartender <laughs> nobody ever notices the bartender <laughs> that's why it is bad. But, That's why I make a perfect spy. Patrick's a master of disguise. Yeah. <laughs> is that guy a spy? Nah, he's like, kind of average. Spies would be more. <laughs> That's the saint of human beings. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, here's the thing. Halfway through this, I had said before that um, when we were talking in the pre-show, uh, Suzanne, my wife, had actually commented that this seems like an episode of Burn Notice. And I agree with her. It was it for TV. It wasn't bad for movies. It was not, Thank you very much for your attempt. We'll see you around the next round. It yeah. never once felt like an actual movie that should have been like in the theater. No, no, not at me. Especially when he hot, he hid behind the one uh, pine tree branch. Well, that and that was immediately after. Okay, I get the whole thing is is he's got the Batman thing where the camera pans away, and then when it pans back, he's gone. But there were guys with guns drawn in a circle around him. I know. You think none of them happened to notice him? Traips away. Yeah. <laughs> no, that you was. There's like there's like thirteen guys with automatic weapons around him. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go over here behind the tree. <laughs> He just quickly grabs one of their guns and is like, I'm one of you. And and one of the things that drove me nuts about it was if they had just kept the scene straight on his face, looking through the branches, it would have been like, oh, he's hiding in some pine trees. They can't see him. But they panned in, and they, then in the panning in, you see that the branches only cover his face, and the rest of his body is completely exposed to whatever's going on in front of him. And the way they did that camera pullback, I half expected to see Roger Moore, like, <laughs> behind another tree. <laughs> I'm Roger Moore. I played this in the 60s. Well, you it's know, like he taught him how to do that, so he escaped as well. 
You know what it reminds me of, though? It reminds me of the this the way that they made TV movies back during like the A-Team. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like an 80s TV movie, action TV movie. That's exactly what it felt like. Oh, no. That, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, again, this is a perfect remake of what the 97 Saint movie was. Because the Saint movie was, it was good. It was okay. And this is a TV movie based on the Saint that you're like, yeah, it was okay. So I guess we're not as far divided. Like maybe I give a marginal thumbs up and you guys give a marginal thumbs down. But like if I was going to say the original was a solid B minus, this is a solid C plus. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I wish I could say more for me and my obsession with her. A full letter grade got given to them for the inclusion of the legs of Dushku. And I'm the same way with Elizabeth Shue. Shoes. And I'm the same way with Roger Moore. <laughs> we I'm, all know, damn it. And I'm the same way with pine trees. <laughs> <laughs> They're great for hiding. I love my pine trees. They're full of sap. Is he hiding behind a tree? Ooh, he's trying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. <laughs> um, again, I wish, I wish I could say more for this. I mean, it's. Like if someone wanted to try and make a generic action show that had Adam Rayner, Elisa Dushku, and Greg Grunberg in it, I'd probably occasionally watch it if I had nothing else going on. <laughs> but I this did. didn't have to be The Saint. This could have been, you know, regular high show or whatever. Absolutely. Right. You, you could have put any, if this had been the Jackal and he had been an assassin instead of a thief, mm-hmm. really no difference. Right. He's the pantyhose. <laughs> it's a remake of the famous Joe Montana commercial. <laughs> I, I somehow I knew Pat would get that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I mean it's it's I think it oh, I agree with you on this, Josh. That it was a generic TV action flick that like ah he's the saint. You know, we know because he has business cards yes <laughs> he's british he's vaguely charismatic he's gonna kick some ass okay that's... like i'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it but i'm not gonna turn it off it's fine and, and you <laughs> could tell they were gonna have this whole annoying will they won't they relationship between him and uh him and patricia i'm just loving the fact that you completely you know explain patrick he's vaguely charismatic hey i kind of like that guy do you hey yeah if you were british Dude, you should become British, man. Everybody would love you then. Maybe I can find a British guy to adopt me. I don't know if that's how it works. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, I Maybe, see can we get David to adopt me? <laughs> I'm going to try and direct to manufacture the DVD and see what happens. <laughs> That's something else on there. It's you don't just go direct to DVD. You go direct to direct to demand DVD. We you only get made if somebody orders you. This movie is so mediocre. We're going to create a new way of manufacturing DVDs because we don't know if people no, are going to buy it. No way we're going to dump money into making a bunch of these. It's going to be E.T. the game hey, all over again. Can, can you give me a copy of The Saint from the TV? Yeah, okay, I think I can get my cousin to burn you a copy. 
That's our business model. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. You have to demand it. <laughs> uh, you can't just pay for it and ask for it. You have to like, <laughs> really, really want it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if I really wanted that bad, man. I don't want to like make anybody upset or anything. That's the reason it was a commercial failure. No yeah. one felt strongly about enough about it to demand it. Yeah. You go to like Best Buy and they've got a little spot in the back with a beaded curtain. You have to go in to request it. <laughs> I want a direct to manufacture the saint. Dude. <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> like, let's ask Netflix. See what they say. Hey, Netflix, you want the saint? They're like, eh, alright. <laughs> That it's more of an Amazon got? Prime thing. But. We put on Hemlock Grove. Why not? Aww. <laughs> Aww. <clears throat> Wait. What am I thinking of? Not Hemlock Grove. What am I thinking of? I don't know. What's, <laughs> what's the one with the werewolf? Yeah, that's Hemlock Grove. No, no, no. What's the one with um the guy who played James Bond? Roger Moore? No. The other <laughs> <Ann> dude. <Margaret. laughs> Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. Yeah, what's the show with Anne Margaret? Pat Morita was James Bond? Yes. <laughs> Briefly. I like how you don't question Anne Margaret as James Bond, though. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds about right. Was there another werewolf Netflix show besides? Yeah. There was one. Oh, God. Who played it? Who played? <laughs> another Netflix werewolf show. No, it was the, the James. Who played James Bond? And it starred Timothy Dalton. How could you not think of his name? We already brought him up. Earlier. I don't, dude. I'm amazed that I can find my way home every night. That's a good point. I'm seeing Werewolf: The Beast Among Us, starring Ed Quinn. <laughs> oh, Ed Quinn. No, it is uh, scroll scrolling. Penny Dreadful. There you go. Oh, uh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, and that had a werewolf. Yes. 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 Good. Hemlock Grove has Pennywise as a vampire. What? And, and yeah, that's right. And then Penny Dreadful has Josh Harnett as a werewolf. Yep. And Billy Piper naked. Indeed. Yes. I'm an the Saints. What does J.C. Penny's have? J.C. Penny's has <laughs> hand towels on pepper. sale for two for ten dollars. And what do Penny loafers have? Pennies. Wow, we've gotten <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> what about Penny Hardaway? <laughs> Oh, he's going to his sports thing now. <laughs> That's the end of the show. Is that All is right. that where you go whenever Patrick says somebody you don't know who it is? You're like, oh, that must be what? a sport guy. Oh no, I know. It was, a, it was a sports guy. He played in the NBA. Yeah, I know who he is. Lucky <laughs> guess. I know some sports peoples. I know sports. I would like to say that I have, I have more no to say. Bias. Oh, what? we do we do trivia for this? That is how. That is exactly how vanilla this movie is. <laughs> We did do trivia for this. Yes, we did. Director, manufacturer. Yes. Adam Rayner, you should be ashamed of yourself. In fact, I'm going to call shame upon Ernie Bubba Bosch. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is worth shame. It just—it's not bad. It's not just—it's just not good. It's just. But there. but if it it's not if it's not bad and not good, what is it? It exists. It's just there. It's a thing. <laughs> It's I mean, a, another, it's like the Netflix equivalent of shovelware. Yes. This this is the, this is Jag. This is, I mean, but it didn't well, get picked up. Well, it's not go crazy. It's not as bad as Jag. But it's, it's like Jag that didn't get picked up. I mean. Man, that's rough. Wow. Right? 
How many seasons was Jag on the air? Too many. I yeah, I don't know, 74, something like that. Something like that. 74. They didn't even have Greg Grunberg. Yeah, everything he everything he's in doesn't do well, and that's that that's sad. Is that's not necessarily true. He's he was in the Force Awakens. Yeah, but I mean that that you could throw anybody in that. Are you kidding me? The Jag was on for ten fucking seasons. I know. Yeah, exactly. Not like the Saint. That was only on for like five. You want to really depress yourself? Look up how many seasons Grey's Anatomy had. AKA still having. Yeah. I and am it, going to go to my grave saying that I have never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, dude, I've watched like four seasons. Oof. 14 seasons? At this point. I know. <laughs> so far, the rails are so far behind us. Uh, Ellen, listeners may have heard Sarah come in and say something because she assumed we were done. Ellen Pompano. <laughs> Is Dr. Meredith Gray for 301 episodes? 2000. What? Let's, let's do thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get back on track. Oh, so, The man. Saints yeah, are movies we that we watched this? this week. What more could we possibly say about this? I mean, it, it wasn't. It just. It wasn't even bad. It just. It, it was. was. And it's not like we can say I don't recommend this. I mean, it may have turned into something if they'd had more episodes and more been able to develop the characters a little more and do some of the... But you could tell they were always setting up for something because they thought they were going to be telling more of a story. And but they, they never... should have fired the dude who played Cooper. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, Like, the actress who was his partner who was brought in at the 11th hour was so much better than him. She should have just, if you needed a second FBI agent, make it her. You mean the low-rent Gabriel Union? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that's who it was at first. <laughs> she was too young for Gabrielle Union, but yeah, she does look a lot like her. Who's also a very attractive woman, by the way. Yes. All right. So it's Saint nineteen ninety seven. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up because if it shows up, I'm going to leave it on the TV while I'm washing the dishes. If that's the standard we're going by, it's a thumbs up for me. As well. <laughs> it's a thumbs up for me because Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue are both on my celebrity list, so. I'm going to give it a thumbs up for Elizabeth Shue and uh, because what Mike said, it's a Saturday morning. Nothing else is on. I'm working on other stuff. It's in the background. Exactly. Click, click, click. Oh, the saint. Cool. Leave it on. I'm hey, it's going... Val Kilmer in The Master of Disguise. Yeah. <laughs> he plays Pistachio Disguise. <laughs> <laughs> Pistachio Disguise. I love that. Uh, oh, you're an asshole. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> And Saint 2017. All right. 2017. Hey, I wonder if the 2097 Saint is on. 2097. <laughs> yes. He's still Satan. <laughs> He's Satan. <laughs> I'm going with thumbs down because I don't ever need to see it again. And I wouldn't leave it on if it was on in the background. If you guys can give a thumbs up to the 97 for Elizabeth Shue, I'm going to have to give this one a thumbs up for Eliza Dushku. <laughs> I would say thumbs down just because it just, it's not worth watching. It's just not, it's just too vanilla. This is a thing that was made. Yeah. All right. So next week. Wait, 
Somebody didn't vote on the last one. No, That'd we be all... Mike. No, I vote on the last one. Thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we know. I, I would rather have my nutsack sandpapered than watch this. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I would definitely watch this rather than suffer bodily harm. Oh, bodily harm. That's my fetish. <laughs> I would never watch Star Crash again. Oh, challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. I'd watch this before Star Crash. I would oh, definitely yeah, watch. See, I would watch Star Crash before this. Yep, what? I'm with Mike. I'm with Mike. Because, what? yes. You guys are crazy. Yeah, because it's got L in it. That's exactly right. Because bad Star Crash really no, was. no, 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 no. Because I could laugh my ass off at at L doing his stupid shit. But there is no, there is no so bad it's funny moment in the new new saint. So if we've got L, Elizabeth Shue, Eliza Dushku, and Pat Morita, it's like the <laughs> ultimate movie. <laughs> Dude, I'd watch that. I would definitely watch that. <laughs> hey, Eliza. Get it. I'd buy it. <laughs> All right. I'd so what do we have on check for next week? Jim? I have no idea. <laughs> um, so next week, Julianne Moore. We're finally going to do this show. Yes. Uh, the Julianne Moore show, it should have come out now. But unfortunately, uh, things happened and you got a out of the crypt show. On what was the show? What did we do? Battlestar um, Galactica, which honestly I did not realize that that was so long ago. No kidding. Every time another show comes out of those early like one to thirty nine vault, I was like, really? That was like four years ago. Seriously, blows my mind. Um, so yes, so from Jurassic Park to any other movie where she's taken off her top or her bottoms, as in shortcut. Yes, we know, Pat. I'm just saying. All right. So if you want to uh, let us know your feelings on The Saint, if you have any strong feelings whatsoever, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you want some older stuff, iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and all those other podcasting things. I'm honestly uh, curious as to what some of the really longtime listeners, how they feel about our super old shows, like the deep cuts before we had our current theme song and such. That's the thing is like we are going back to before we actually had a opening song. When it changed every week. Yeah, we, we uh, and that I'm, I'm kind of glad that we moved to having a to having a song that we played every week because trying to find a quirky nerd pop song form to play every single episode got tough a theme, a theme appropriate one yes that was Chewy. that was not done yet what Chewie was signifying that we were done i told him we're not done yet yeah i think he was hoping we were done all right i think he's we're like, done he's like he's like it's the saint how much can you have to say <laughs> <laughs> i've got a pee all right, but thank you for listening. Tune in next week when we're going to be talking about Pat Marina. Pat Marina. <laughs> and Julianne Moore. Yeah, that's all I got. I got nothing. Thank you for listening, and thank you for not hanging up.
Exactly. I will find new ways to fail. Ha ha. Oh.